I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. Today on Fairy God Boss Radio, I'm talking with Jill Sweeney, who is a technology section leader in high-performance computing and AI and solutions at Hewlett-Packard Enterprise. Jill, we're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm a follower of Fairy God Boss, and I'm thrilled to be a participant today. We're so excited to talk to you about your career, which has been tremendous uh, and and high tech. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got your start? How did you decide to pursue a career in technology and, and how did you arrive at Hewlett Packard Enterprise? Okay, um, I worked in financial services and I have a few stories about that, but I worked uh, through a variety of financial services um, companies and I ended up at a community bank. And I like to say that in order to get promoted, they're just It was family owned. There was no one to marry. So I uh, thought it was time to look for something else. And I'm probably the last person that answered a paper uh, want ad in the community newspaper, but I did. I love it. Financial services. And I got an opportunity to go um, interview at Compact Computer and in regular services. So I thought, well, that's not, you know, it's a service. And off I went. And I went to one of those crowd interviews where five people invited you. I went at lunchtime, you know, looking my best. However, I was gone for like four hours because, you know, who knew I was going to interview with five different people. So um, I got the job and I still tell the interns today that the power of a written thank you note is important as well as, you know, answering any type of job channel because, you know, sometimes people do advertise in the newspaper and you have to look at that. And they were just incredulous. Like I had told them I would call them on the wall phone, uh, <laughs> but it's been exciting. and I've been there ever since. And in January I'll have, uh, I'll be celebrating my 25th anniversary. That's amazing. And, and unusual these days, especially in the technology space. It is unusual, but um, I've had a series of adventures at Hewlett Packard. So I don't see it as having, you know, a long career. I've had lots of different careers and adventures over the 25 years in different areas. And it offers a lot of flexibility and it's certainly very fast paced. So no one ever gets bored. Uh, That sounds, it's similar to how I am. I derive a lot of gratification from having my job change and having kind of being thrown new challenges regularly. So it sounds like we are similar in that way. So uh, you alluded to some stories from your financial services days. I'm interested to know, both in that space and in technology, how do you think being a woman has played a role in your career? Do you think your career would have been any different than if, you, if you'd been a man? You know, that's very interesting. Um, growing up, my sisters and I learned lessons from our father, and he thought he had sons. So I didn't experience any gender stereotypes. Did you play Actually, football? <laughs> I was... We didn't play football. I played soccer. We um, was born in Scotland and lived overseas. So we built greenhouses. We worked on the car. I learned about the steel industry. You know, there was no male-female uh, labels. In my career, I joined an industry with big gender stereotypes, financial services. And very early in my career, the men held all the high-level management and stockbroker roles, and the women had the support jobs. There were very few female role models. And the ones that there were, uh, where, where I was based, 
um, they built a fortress and they isolated themselves from the male culture in the 90s that uh, was quite sexist. So that actually led me to the text industry. Um, I feel like the tech uh, industry is a great equalizer. And I actually talked to young women about tech careers and economic empowerment because I feel that's the key you know, to future success is being able to take care of yourself. For sure. My five-year-old, I'm, I'm convinced she will need to be able to code. There's just <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned the idea of role models and how important role models are. Tell me about your interactions with other women along the way in your career and who has been helpful, who hasn't been helpful, and what do, what do you take from all of that? So I mentioned that some of the women in financial services build these fortresses. And I think a big mistake that women make is not having supportive women in their network. I've been fortunate to have a number of women uh, uh, that have supported me and mentored, but also sponsored me for new opportunities. And my current two leaders, uh, my boss and my boss's boss are female. And they're very helpful in opening doors and giving advice. Uh, Some wanted, some unwanted. Um, I've also had my share of less than... uh, helpful women. They either felt competitive or totally ignored the need uh, of a network and to leverage other women. So one in particular said all the right things, but didn't actually deliver the support. And unfortunately, you don't find that out until too late that this relationship isn't productive or helpful. It's like you kind of need some sort of measure as you're going along as this is working for me. So learning that, I've been very uh, mentoring. You know, I think it's very critical to mentor and support other women and men. And so how, how are some of the ways that you do that? Okay. Well, regular discussions. I have um, a mixed team, male, females. Um, I feel like um, what we all need to be doing is building an inclusive and diverse culture. So uh, as you do that, you have to nurture it. And you met, by mentoring all the genders, then you're nudging the whole organization in that direction. So um, I share experiences with other women and try to give insights as also help, you know, men become change agents because we're in an area where we're driving a lot of rapid change. And you just try to assess what are that person's experiences? What can I add to this that either helps reinforce what they're trying to do or also nudges them in that different direction if we need to be thinking about something else. So we always have to think bigger and, um, you know, how do other people look at this? Because in the end, we're all human. And I think that's the piece. So it's how you interact and and are able to talk to someone on that level, I think helps you advise. Now I have my sweet spots. No one would come to me to talk to probably about Excel coding, Um, but they can come talk to me a number of other topics. And if we need an expert in Excel coding, off we'll go and find them. Um, But you know know what your your key areas are and it's listening, Um, you know, giving advice, frequent feedback, all of those areas I think are important in terms of you know, helping mentor folks. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you said that well, and so much around gender diversity would progress much more quickly if we all thought a little bit more about where everybody else was coming from. Exactly. I think that context really provides a lot because we all have different shared experiences. And part of that might be from, you know, being an immigrant and then, you know, living in another culture um, and maybe being wired that way, or it just might be, you know, the values that you're brought up with. Um, everybody brings a different viewpoint into an, a relationship, into the organization, and it's important to kind of see where that is coming from so you can get to that shared vision at the end. Exactly. Uh, so when we survey women, far and away, the number one thing that they value in a job is a good manager. What is a good manager 
What, what, how do you define a good manager? Um, I would definitely agree. Um, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, so a good manager has a great vision and is a good communicator. I think they listen, they encourage employees to go outside of their comfort zone and give feedback, lots of feedback, and often not just at the time of uh, performance uh, review. They empower, they don't micromanage, and they develop their team skills, but they also hold them accountable. Um, a good manager makes sure that you're getting results, and the way to do that is through being accountable. And lastly, as we mentioned earlier, they're inclusive. Um, you're fair. Uh, you're transparent and you include everyone in the decisions and, and the sharing. For sure. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. What does work-life balance mean to you? What do you make time for in your life and how do you find the time for it? Uh, that's hard for me. My family is very important, but um, work-life balance is my most difficult challenge that I face. You know, life is 24-7. I work in an international company, and that's more than nine to five. That always-on tech connectivity that we love means there's no boundaries. Oh, we love um, that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've come to the conclusion that balance isn't really possible. So my view is kind of an ebb and a flow approach. Um, it, what works for me becomes more of a work-like integration. You might have heard it described that way. So last night I had a call with our India team, as for an example, for our interns to share their summer uh, experience before they go back to college this weekend. Uh, while we were getting set up for the call, I supervised one of my daughters getting her volleyball supplies ready for the tournament today. Then I got up and walked the dogs and went to see middle daughter off to the bus. And then oldest daughter still needed um, help with going through her final intern pre presentation for her today. So we went off to breakfast. And that was all before I went to work. And then later on, I'll meet uh, our youngest daughter at a community event. And, you know, as I look at all of this, as long as you're providing value back to the company and focus on productivity, it's not the hours that you spend at work. So I try to practice an approach, and uh, you may have heard of it. It's called Four Circles. It's work, home, community, and yourself. And you have to make sure that no one area gets out of whack. Now, it's probably a good thing that I'm not doing this podcast for at home because my family might disagree with you. Some of my circles are really more like eclipses, so I need to work on that, that balance. But, you know, I strive for it, and it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, I try. For sure. I feel that way, too. And it sounds like um, your role allows you the flexibility to kind of weave, even though it's a lot of demands, you're, you're able to kind of weave things back and forth. Um, well, that's what's important. I model that. My role necess not necessarily was defined that way, but I'm modeling that. And, you know, I work for, you know, people who maybe have different flexibilities or may have more at-home support. Um, I don't have a wife, um, but I have a very supportive family. And so if I'm outsourcing tasks to parents or husband, I got to maybe not be so concerned about the way it's done as long as it gets done. So, um, a supportive family network is very important to this flexibility, but you also have to ask for what you want and don't just look at the rule book and say, oh, I must work, you know, eight o'clock till five o'clock and then, you know, work from home. You have to, as long as you, the work is getting done, I'm showing that my team that, um, that that's the way to do it. And, and a little bit of transparency is helpful. And one of my daughters has had a lot of health issues. So rather than try to just move heaven and earth so that nothing's any different, I've been open about it. You know, I'm going to the doctor, I'm doing this. So they had an opening today. I'm going to work from home and I'll see you guys later. 
and then I get down there and discover there's no connectivity. I can't join any phone calls. I said, okay, I'm putting the laptop in the car and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. And they're probably like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, she did that. Um, and I just, you just have to show we're all human. We all have pressures and other obligations. And sometimes you have to choose the right thing. So a hundred percent. And I hope your daughter is healthy and okay. Thank um, you. We're getting there. That's good. But I agree with you also that it's modeling is so essential for leaders and especially for female leaders. For our audience, I think many of them would like to have more flexibility in jobs where it's not necessarily um, taken for granted. Do you, how do you recommend they assert this concept, which I believe in too, of you know, I'm, I'm working all the hours. I'm doing everything you need me to do. I'm just going to do it at a different time. <laughs> how, do you, yeah. how do you think people should assert that in the workplace? Well, I think it's expectations. You know what your goals are for the year. You know what work you need to have done. I think it helps if you already have a good track record. If you're going into a new role, I'd bring it up up front and say, hey, I have, um, you know, whether you have three children or five or you, you know, maybe you're caring for a, a spouse or you're caring for an, uh, an elderly parent, uh, be up front. Uh, you'll get the work done and then you have to demonstrate that you can do it. I don't think you can ask for flexibility unless you can demonstrate a good track record or a plan. Because, um, you know, things happen. You might be brand new on the job and discover that, you know, you yourself may need medical treatment or a spouse. You have to go in and say, okay, here's my plan. As long as you have the plan and you deliver to it, I think that's fine. It's when it's kind of iffy, things aren't written down, there's expectations. I always feel like you should know where you stand. That way having that conversation um, about it, it might be difficult, but I also think that you can, you know, talk about it openly and then, um, you know, kind of measure is this working or not working and then just check in with your boss I think they'll let you know if you're not doing what's expected and hopefully you know you're in an environment where your boss is, has empathy for your situation um, but things are you know the world has changed so um, I think that you know a lot of companies are moving in that direction you don't have the same old sit at your desk all day eight to five command and control I must see you um, because there's remote offices, there's international hours, there's just so many demands on our time. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, I think opening that dialogue and just say, letting your boss know that there's room to tell you if it's not working or how it's not working and vice versa, I think is really essential. All right, uh, this is my personal least favorite question to get, and yet I'm giving it to you. Uh, <laughs> could you tell us about a mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Well, I think making mistakes is okay um, because it shows you're trying and the real test is how you overcome your mistake, but I've made a lot of mistakes. So out of my many, this one stands out to me. So I told you a little bit about the financial services industry. So when I first got out of college, I went to work for a large um, stockbroker company. Um, I started near the bottom and I worked in various roles to try to learn the industry. Um, I do tend to be a little competitive, so I wanted to work at the top and become a stockbroker. Um, pretty much not because that was really what I thought I'd like to do, but that was the top role and I wanted it. So I was already working at the firm. I was told I couldn't join the trainee program and I'd have to do the training program on my own, on my own time after oh hours. So instead of, and, and yes, I was the only woman that asked, that was in the training, that would have been in the training program. Wow. Um, and I thought I had more experience because 
the people they were hiring their experience in sales were selling kegs for the fraternity party. So me, who'd been working in the industry and was learning all the jobs, you know, had a base knowledge. So um, instead of pushing back and insisting or even going to another company who would let me join the program, I tried to do it all. And I missed uh, the on-the-job training, the time to study, and, you know, be paid to study. I ended up taking the certification exam twice, and I got the same failing grade each time. Aww. So it made me realize that it wasn't meant to be. And that led me to a career in financial services marketing and all of the things that I loved about the role except the selling. So this experience taught me that it was okay to fail. You just get back up and you try again. And if that fails, you can try something different. And I did. And it's so, worked out okay. <laughs> it's worked out okay. Um, but do you think, would, it have, would you have passed if you'd been through the on-site training? Um, perhaps because I probably would have had someone uh, overseeing what I was working on, saw the particular areas that I was having trouble with and maybe showed me how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I and thought I knew it. I was reviewing it myself. I couldn't do any of the group reviews. The online reviews were done during the day and we didn't have that technology back in the 90s to kind of have a replay and be able to do it on your own. And um, these were the study kits came in a, in a box. So you got the 20 books in, you know, a vinyl box to study with. It wasn't online. It wasn't like SAT prep or anything that you do. So I miss that. And part of that, you know, I would have had a team. Now I've been the only woman. So would people have studied with me? Maybe, maybe not. But I miss that mentorship where someone can say, hey, you're having trouble in this section. Come and watch what I do today. I'll explain this. By the end of the day, you'll be able to see. Meanwhile, I'm posting orders. I'm, you know, reconciling trades. I'm filling in for a seminar as a hostess. You know, I'm doing all these other things that I do during the day. I also computer. Um, one day they were handing out extra jobs and, uh, okay, Mary, you uh, sort the mail. You're in charge of ordering client literature. And Jill, you do well at WordPerfect. You can back up the computer. Okay. So that's started my little interest in tech was, well, that's kind of fun. I get to sit in this room by myself. I can read a book while I'm backing up the computer because back then it was all attended tape backups. And that was kind of interesting. And that, I guess it was a gift. It was a end. gift. It was given to me. But, you know, I just, I wanted to do it because I wanted to win. I wanted to prove everyone I could do this. And, you know, maybe my competitive nature got the best of me, but it also taught me this wasn't for me. If I had to work that hard for something that just wasn't coming to me, you know, that wasn't my thing. And I just focused on what I did like, the seminars I was hosting, and the marketing of the programs and meeting customers' needs versus, you know, selling a stock or an option or a bond or commodities. Well, listen, it's their <laughs> loss. It was their loss for sure. It was also the recession, so it was maybe not the best time to get into that business, but that's beside the point. Completely. Um, and now, though, like... You, you're at the forefront of technology. You work in the AI space. So AI and computing, it's very exciting, the Internet of Things. So tell us a little bit about what you're working on. Well, um, my team creates technical content to help customers set up and configure their servers and troubleshoot if they need them. So it's content that's developed to support that. Um, HPE has started to have some AI offerings, some solutions. So we're looking at ways how to deliver that content. So you aren't going to want to read, you know, 
the paper manual from the past, you know, no, what are some sort of ways to deliver that? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed um, on your LinkedIn profile, throughout your career, you've been hugely involved in so community associations, whether it's for your, your hometown, your region of Houston, or women in computing associations. So in addition to a full-time job and a full-time family, you were talking, you, you really have focused on that community bubble as well. Can you talk about how you make time for that and why you make time for that and, and what, what you recommend others do in that space? Okay, thank you. Um, I've always been community-minded. That's something that we grew up with in our family. My uh, parents have always been strong community volunteers. Um, as I moved into the tech role, I saw that um, there was a real need to promote STEM careers to young women. And it seemed like uh, there was a lot of studies and um, just seeing through my own daughters that young women don't have often the same opportunities or interest in tech careers. And how do you address that? So what you do is look at getting to them in the late elementary, the middle school, you know, have them join a computer club. Nowadays, many um, schools now have tablets and they roll us out at the elementary level. It's making people very familiar. And, you know, everybody knows how to stare at a phone and use their thumbs to text nowadays. That wasn't so apparent when I was joining the industry. So I was interested in advocating you know, economic empowerment through tech jobs and the way to get people into tech jobs is to have them interested in it. So it's career fairs, um, going to, you know, take your child to work day, sponsoring it at the office where, you know, folks get to see how interesting these careers are and how many different roles they are. It's not everyone has to be a coder. There's many jobs in technology across HR and finance, as well as product management, engineering, and you know the support work that we do around engineering services. All of that's very important to make that role work. So I've been very interested, but it was also a way to help develop my leadership skills because as having three children, I have more of a lattice career taking on different adventures versus you know promotion after promotion because I didn't want to travel. And I actually had three very difficult preg pregnancies and it was difficult to, you know, come through that and look at what the next opportunity was. And some, some ways to do that is to get leadership skills and join an organization. So I joined a local organization, volunteered, put on some coding camps and uh, other, you know, school-based activities to teach coding skills, kind of the basic fundamentals, and found other women uh, with like interests. So we had an organization called the Association of Women in Computing, and I ended up being the um, uh, founder, I'm sorry, the president. And I, at that point, I was talking to other groups, Association of Women in Computer um, Machining, and groups that were very associated with programming. And then I began to look at Grace Hopper's career, uh, Rear Admiral Grace Hopper, and really saw the difference that she made. So just learning and connecting with other women in our industry and other women at HPE uh, helped me just gain a lot of experience. So I'm always involved in the community. I'm teaching that to my daughters right now. We're involved in a mother-daughter organization um, that teaches uh, you know, stewardship and philanthropy but also it helps you through the awkward teenage years because I actually have three teenagers at the moment. And you get to talk. You get to go and do something fun together outside of yourselves, outside of whatever privilege you might have. 
and give back to your community. And then you can talk about it on the way back and ask them the awkward questions about school in between as much as you can get in there. And then you'll go back to texting them later, you know, any instructions you have for them. So it's a great opportunity. But I'm also blessed that our company is very philanthropically minded. Uh, you know, Bill and Dave have always given back to the company um, in the community. And our company um, allows us the time off and the freedom to go and give back. So I'm excited about that and I encourage my team to do that also. And it, that's the way we kind of give off steam. Um, we've had some terrible disasters um, weather-wise in our community and we've gone and rebuilt co-workers' houses. We have built community members' houses. We did a big uh, hunger event where we packaged thousands of meals um, that will go around to the local community, but also overseas to other impacted areas like India and um, Puerto Rico to help, you know, people rebuild. So it's just part of what, who I am and what we've always done. So it's expected. I Is love that, it. Community is one of the four circles. It's very inspirational. And I love that you are also inspired by another inspirational woman. So <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. We have five fun questions. Um, do you have a book to recommend to our audience? I love to read. So I actually have two. So for business, um, The Culture Code, um, that's by Daniel Coyle. Really great insights into how highly successful groups operate and how to build a great culture. I think culture is at the base of everything um, and great employees do great things. So I feel that very strongly about that book. Um, for pleasure, I love psychological thrillers and police procedurals. So I'm reading the Tana French series right now, it's set in Ireland. So a little bit of the United Kingdom, but it's just so interesting to understand that culture and, you know, murder is murder and it's fascinating no matter what country it's in. So I love that series. I just can't put it down. That sounds great. Great <laughs> summer reading while we still have a little summer left. <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite way to exercise your body or your mind? Well, that's another one of my circles I should spend more time on the self. Um, and I wish reading counted as an exercise. Um, I walk my dogs, um, either with my husband or whatever, which one of my daughters that I can get to come along with me. I just love being outside and experiencing nature and then reconnecting with my family while we're exercising. And it kind of, it, it is multitasking because the dogs are being walked, we're talking, but it's natural and fun rather than the forced family conversation at the dinner table. It sounds lovely. You're managing a couple circles at a time. <laughs> Trying to. But now they've seen my circles because they've been to the office and it's in my little notebooks. They're like, what's this, mom? Are we a project? I said, well, life is a project. And they, they bought that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for them to know it now. <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite movie? Um, until last week, I would have told you The Sound of Music, but Mamma Mia 2 uh, <laughs> is my current favorite, yes. Um, oh. It bridged the generation gap with a whole lot of laughter. I saw it with my daughters. I couldn't oh. get my husband to go. But I'm really enjoying the music of my uh, youth. And sometimes I have to wake up the more stubborn sleepers with a song. So instead of, you know, uh, the 1812 Overture, now I can sing Super Trooper to them. Not always with the right lyrics. I'm actually going to probably have to look them up on YouTube. But <laughs> it's just kind of fun. And we had so much fun. And there's so many interesting references in the movie. It's just great to have that shared sense of humor and, and be able to laugh about it. And it really was... A, a very fun evening to watch that. That's amazing. ABBA makes everything better. <laughs> they do. They really do. And anything from, you know, the 80s culture that the kids laugh about these days, it's now cool. So some of the things that we know is like, mom, you know all those lyrics. I said, I do. 
<laughs> I was there the first time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Who is one person dead or alive you'd want to have dinner with? Well, I kind of gave you a sneak preview of that. Uh, so I'm a big STEM advocate, as I've told you. So hands down, it's Admiral Grace Hopper. Love it. Um, she was a tech pioneer. She invented the compiler that brought us COBOL programming, which was just huge because before we had very primitive programming techniques. And not only was she a female uh, pioneer, she had outstanding technical and marketing skills. And when I think of perseverance, that's who I envision. She also had some personal challenges she overcome and you know, she's just not this perfect icon. And you know, she was very, very real. Love it. I admire Love her it. a lot. That's great. And then we may also know the answer to this one, but what is your karaoke song? It's a different <laughs> one. So I have two. Um, because I'm from Scotland and I always practice the Southern voice, I routinely sing Delta Dawn by Tanya Tucker. And I do it for entertainment. Uh, I did it when I was in a sorority. I do it, you know, spontaneously in cars. But I also sing Hit Me With Your Best Shot by uh, Pat Benatar. And that's really kind of a, a personal anthem for me. And I did it on a cruise. And my family was so mortified, you know, they weren't going to come out of the rain. So, um, <laughs> that's their a, way of saying they A live it. setting. But, you know, no one else <laughs> knew me so it's not like my it was videoed so thank goodness it's not on YouTube anywhere but yes so when that comes on the radio um, they're very very worried about what might happen next awesome I love it all right well to close I'd love to ask you to leave our audience a group of talented ambitious women with one piece of career advice you think they should be thinking about don't play it safe you can't grow in your career if you always play it safe. You always have to have one part of you outside your comfort zone so you can foster growth. While I was transitioning from marketing to this technical role, I took on above and beyond roles in networking in the Internet of Things. And I really had no exposure in any of those. Um, and I took it to be exposed to those new technologies, but also um, to learn. And I never could have made the leap if I didn't take on that extra work. Everyone says you don't have time to do it. You're doing your current role. Well, I just took on half of an extra job. It was for a short period of time. Um, I call it stretch and squirm. Um, if you stretch yourself, you squirm a lot in the process. And the outcome, more often than not, is success. And if it's not, you just try something else. I love it. Too many people are timid and they don't want to try something new. They want to do the tried and true thing, but that leads to boredom and stagnation and you can't grow. I love your willingness to admit and remind everybody that those stretch assignments do feel uncomfortable and that's just oh, part yes. of it. Um, but it's, it, it, the, it leads to such a good result. It's totally worth it. It, it does. And I had a, a boss who told me before that, you know, I, she wanted me to do something, one I wasn't particularly interested in, but it was a better opportunity. But I thought of all the reasons why I didn't have that experience. She goes, don't be ridiculous. Of course you don't. You will learn. But what do you think, you know, John over here is going to say? He's going to say, yes, I'll take it. He doesn't have the experience either. So what, what's making you afraid that you can't fill those shoes? So from then on, I thought, okay, I'll try it. And yeah, sometimes... There's a lot of squirming and others is, this is not what I thought it was. I can do this. Yeah. Um, so it just, you've got to try. For sure. Jill, thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was great to have you on Fairy God Boss Radio. 
Thanks for joining us today on Fairy Godboss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.